everything's coming up Timberwolves yeah, yeah. in the zone Simple dedication to the team when you're in the know Timberwolves yeah, yeah. in the soul Lifting all the positivity for the wolves to grow So, where we going from here, man? We listen week to week to get the clearest to clear Recaps, got that South cap, got that Team ads, got that So tell me what they do not have, huh? Foolish question to ask But I don't mean to go brag But boy, they got all the stats And they could go all the way back From KG to Zerbiak And all I'm saying is that The cast a one-stop shot For my timber Wolves, timber Wolves Ain't a thing falling Everything's coming up Timber Wolves, timber Wolves Falling from the autumn Ain't nobody gonna stop him It's the Timber Wolves, timber Wolves Phonies, you can spot them They the sheep under their clothes Timber Wolves, timber Welcome in to another episode of the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. It's been two weeks, or it's been about a two, yeah, two weeks, but we are back to talk everything Timberwolves and trade deadline. And I'm joined as always by Chris Emerson. Chris, how are we doing? Doing good. Doing good. We're playing well. We are. We are. That is for sure. And Jared, good. How are we doing? Uh, doing wonderful. Really happy what I've seen uh, out of the Timberwolves the past few games. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about what I really loved, but um, yeah, we're looking good. Exactly where we want to be, right in the swing of things. I think we're, I think we're about three games out of that five seed, so that's where I want to be. Okay, uh, a couple, a couple housekeeping things I want to ask you guys. Uh, do you for the opening credits? Can you think of any plays from this season that you might want to switch in? Because obviously, those plays were from last season, like. I, I think we should keep in the Edwards dunk, but like maybe another play we could uh, kind of put in to the intro or just flip it up or. I'll think about it. I don't know. I can't think of anything offhand, but. The the only thing I was thinking of was the, uh, the Edwards no dunk against Miami. Um, but obviously that play didn't count, but yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, and he also. Has had, yeah. He oh, has had some amazing no dunks in his career so far. Right. By the way, that's another great uh, channel on YouTube, No Dunks. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them, but no. they are. Uh, they they used to be. I don't know. Did you guys ever watch NBA TV or have that back in the day? The show, no. The Starters. I know what you're talking I did, about. I, yeah, I do. Yes. Isn't there a bearded guy? Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, Trey Kirby. Yeah, but anyway, that was still like a pregame a little bit in a way, but it's it's really good. They, they kind of jump around the league and. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good pregame show as well. Did we the just get a Russian bot shout out our player of the year or our our number? Yeah, our number one fan <laughs> gets shouted out by Russia. Trot, Trot's the man. Like I, I've been saying since day one, Trob is what gets me up in the morning to do these shows. Just yeah, for sure. to entertain Trob. Anyway, the funny. The everything. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I know I know who that is because we had a, a conversation. Uh, in a group chat about about the Russian body, so that's it just cracked up. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, it is the everything's coming up Timberwolves podcast, and let's talk Timberwolves. So let's start. Let's start with it. D'Lo first game back against uh, against Detroit. His first game back in uh, four games. What do you think of D'Lo's performance? And we'll start with you, Chris. What what stood out to you? You know, he's just the cool hand Luke of our squad. Like he keeps everything mixed up nice. He keeps everybody flowing right. He moves the ball around. He gets his. 
when he needs to. Um, it's what I've loved the most about D'Lo this year, and it's what's made me think of him really interesting about what we're going to pay him in his next contract. Uh, he's not forcing anything. Like, you don't see – like, there was those games before where he was shooting those 35-foot three-pointers, like with 20 seconds left in the shot clock multiple mm-hmm. times a game. Now, when he's getting his shots, it's like swing, 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 swing. The ball comes to him. He gets a shot. Like, everything seems – part of the system now opposed to him trying to force his numbers. So I love that. You know, I love it Mm -hmm. all. I love what I see from him. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't really uh, be mad at 22 points, uh, eight assists and a couple rebounds. I mean, that that's, that's right. 15 shots or something too, like and hardly any shots. Yeah, exactly. Man. Also some of the passes that he made, like that pocket pass to towns on that one dunk, that was amazing. Like, I don't know how he fit that in there, but uh, that, that was a great job. Uh, anything to add on that, Jared, about D'Lo um, and kind of his effect on this team coming back? Uh, I think I think it just really comes down to reminding Timberwolves fans. Um, we've, we've seen D'Lo kind of come and go with, with a few injuries um, and things popping up, whether it be COVID or, or something. Um, I think it just reminds us really how he is. Um, like you guys said, I think he was 22, 5, and 8. Um, 8 being the assists, 5 being the rebounds, obviously. Uh, 7 in shooting, I believe, was not the most efficient thing. But, like, D'Lo, I, I know Chris has said this multiple times, and, and it really kind of checks out every time I watch a Wolves game when he plays. He's the captain of the defense, which I weird to say because you kind of would expect Beverly to be that guy because he's been known to be a really good defender but Tilo's always kind of shoving guys in the right way or like making yelling at guys like hey rotate to the corner like hear me when I and not in like an arrogant way but he's just really good about like leading the defense which kind of goes unnoticed yeah and I think I think that kind of goes unnoticed when when we talk about because we all love his offensive game I know Gabe specifically will will go back to that Philly game and say, man, that was just incredible what he did. But, like, he can do just, like, a little bit of everything. Um, and I think it kind of goes unnoticed when success when he's off the court. We were, we were okay um, this last week without him. But, like, when you put him back in, like, there's so many more that I notice that he does that goes unnoticed normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, this is something I want to bring up. It's it's kind of a kind of a side topic here, but uh, I don't I don't know if you guys saw this floating around uh, here. I, I got I got to find it really quick. Uh, but in this week's ESPN Power Rankings, uh, what the blurb they put under the Timberwolves, and I'll show it. So basically, in the middle of the season, for no reason, two years after it happened. They put swapping D'Lo for Andrew Wiggins was a trade both the Wolves and Warriors were ready to make at the time, but it has become apparent how much Minnesota gave up in recent years. Russell has been solid, but the Wolves surrendered a first-round pick in 21, and Wiggins became an all-star with the Warriors. I mean, like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we bringing that up two years after it happened? Why? I guess it's because of all-star games around the corner, and they're putting stuff in there. But, I mean – that right there is classic ESPN um, broadcasting where they they don't watch anything. Like mm-hmm. these guys aren't watching games. Like they, 
Nobody at ESPN's watched the Timberwolves game. No, nobody this year. So they, they don't know what he brings. And I would do that trade right now. I would do the same trade, even knowing that it was Kamunga who looks all right. But I would do that trade right now. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you told me that, unless you told me that Rosas's plan to get Garland wouldn't have fallen apart and we could have had Garland, that would have been different. But right. as it stands, yeah, that was a great move, and I'd do it a hundred times out of a hundred. Hundred percent, Jared. You had something to add? Yeah. So, like, I have an issue with Wiggins being in the All Star game. Um, it's kind of something that I've openly openly spoke about on our True Fans page. Um, but it comes down to a couple of things. Um, Wiggins has played; he hasn't had a bad year by any means. He's had one of his best years of his entire career. Do I think he's an All Star? I mean, I looked no. at it. I looked. I looked at the All Star ballot voting, and the reason why he is an All Star is because of the position eligibility. Um, I believe Wiggins was listed as. I believe it was a forward. Um, yep. Or maybe maybe it was a guard. Uh, it was one of the two. Yep, forward. And, forward. Yeah, so, yeah, he was listed as a forward, but nobody else had that eligibility. Like, Ant was listed as a guard. You know, like, you had all these other people that were listed as a guard, which had, like, a big thing to do with all-star voting. Because I tried to vote, like, after it was closed, and I wasn't able to, but I wanted to, like, look at the form and be like, how did this guy get here? Um, and a lot of it had to do with position eligibility, um, which I thought was kind of – you know, like, what are we doing here? Like, what's the difference right. between a guard and a small forward in the all-star game? Um, to me, right. I thought that was kind of stupid. Um, but I also noticed that some K-pop artist tweeted that Andrew Wiggins belonged as an all-star and apparently got a ton of traction on Twitter and a ton of people voted for him because some Joe Bag of Donuts who was in, you know, the other side of the country that thought this was a, a talking point. Spoke Korea, is actually, a lot. Korea is actually the other side of the planet, not just the yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so this, you know, this this guy said whatever, and then a bunch of like and, and the NBA has always kind of had like a real big like foreign follow, which I've always thought was kind yeah. of interesting in a way, especially the Philippines. Um, I know the NBA is adored by the Philippines and certain players in general. Um, I list a few and I will just because I know of them. Uh, Derek Rose is absolutely adored by the Philippines. He wins the fan vote for the almost every single year because of the Philippines. Um, so, you know, like when I look back, I'm like, I can see why it happened, but I think it's kind of a lot of fool's gold in a way. Mm-hmm. Chris, go ahead. I mean, I I think almost everybody knows that it's fool's gold. Um, One guy that was listed as a forward that could have replaced him is a guy named Carl Anthony Towns. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that guy, but he should have been in there. Or Gobert. Or, I mean, there was guys. It's just, you know, you're not pulling the votes from Utah and you're not pulling the votes from Minnesota. I think think in the forward spot, um, what was it? Five of the top seven guys were from California or something like that. Like mm-hmm. just ridiculous, but well, that I doesn't mean, really matter. Just, I mean, just look at it. Clay Thompson was like fifth in voting. Exactly. He, he played Carmelo like, Anthony was right up there. Yeah. Oh, you see this, this is just, and we won't spend too much time on the, on the, uh, on the all-star game, but we need to go to positionless basketball in the all-star game. 
because yeah. it, there are so Everybody. many good, good guards in both conferences and not as many forwards. And if you think about it, there's two guards, there's three forwards in each conference, which makes zero sense. We need to go to positionless basketball. And also, it's the all-star game. Who cares? It's not like you're going to have a bunch of post-up opportunities. It's just going to be dunks. Like, who cares? I would understand if there was a designated center on the starting sure. lineup, there's a designated point guard, and three other players. Mm-hmm. But whatever. I, right. I was going to say the same thing as you, Chris, but just a, a little bit more bizarre. Give me five utilities. Let everybody play everywhere. Like this, like we said, this is a this is a dunk show, a three-point contest, and everything all in one. You see these games are like 190 to 180. Like I, I, I would have to look back on on uh the over-unders in all-star games, but I think the overs hit like I don't know, like 10 years in a row. It's it's crazy. Um, you know, you look back at some of this stuff and you think why do positions matter at that point? You know, it is what it is. Right. And, and I, I saw you two going to war on, on Facebook a little bit, and, and I, I jumped in there too. There were two uh, all-star replacements named today uh, in uh, LaMelo Ball and uh, what? It's Devontae Murray. What's his name? It's Good enough. Yeah, yeah DeJounte <laughs> yeah, Murray. So why why does DeJounte deserve it more, just, just to set the record straight, than Anthony Edwards? I mean, I just think he's a better player. I think he's more impactful right now for his team, and he's a better player right now. I mean, everyone's getting all twisted up because, you know, you're a Timberwolves fan, and so am I. And, and Edwards is, is amazing, and he's made a huge step. Um, what I say he's even an all – like, I mean, I don't I, – when I see him play, I wouldn't say he's an all-star yet. Um, but he's good. He's a good player, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Murray – a couple of years ago was an all defense uh, NBA, all defensive second team player. So we know already the guy's a lockdown defender. He's almost averaging a triple double. Yeah. He's better than Edwards in almost every statistical category, counting stats other than points, which is like one or two behind, like, come on, man. And he's taken on the role of like the full-time point guard and the full-time like uh lead defender on the point of attack. Like the guys, the guy's got a lot on his plate. And uh, I mean, that's not taking anything from Edwards. I love the guy and I think he's going to be amazing, but it's just like, be happy for Murray. Like, it's not like this guy's, you know, some 10 time all-star that's, you know, old, old and like past his prime. And he's got some BS vote like Dirk a couple of years ago. Like, that's not the case. This guy deserves right. it. Be happy for him. Right. And also, I feel like Anthony Edwards, he's going to have years and years to make the all-star team. And I, and to his, I, I will say, Anthony Edwards does have some nights where he doesn't look like an all-star. Like, what was yeah. that one? Remember that one game where he had, like, five points? He disappears sometimes. He does. And he has a lot of games where he saves it in junk time to get up to 20, 25 points in the game when he was really at seven going into the fourth or something. So, I mean, it happens, but he's young. He'll be right. fine. Right. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it either. So so let's go into kind of the main point of, of the episode. Um, basically, the trade deadline is on Thursday. And I'm just going to ask you both straight up, and we'll start with you, Jared. Do the Wolves make a move? And if so, what move do they make? Uh, I think the Wolves do make a move. Um, I think they'll be 
actively shopping around for a back hour forward um, for the most part. Like, like I think that's the the I shouldn't I shouldn't even say like a backup power forward. I would say a usable bench piece, whether it's a small forward or a power forward, is kind of irrelevant to me. Um, I'll be active in a lot of a lot of minds. Um, I kind of think we're away from the Ben Simmons talk. Um, just my point is, I, I think that Simmons is in hard a real deal. That that makes a lot of sense for both teams, in my opinion. Um, I think I'm more looking for a usable bench piece um, to kind of split split minutes with Jared Vanderbilt. I kind of saw this a couple podcasts ago, um, but, but that's still my like strong point of emphasis. Uh, is a, a a backup four. Okay. Uh, Chris, what do you think? So I know how everyone loves numbers, so I'm going to give you some numbers, especially when you hear them in a podcast. Um, so next year, we've got $106.5 million already booked on the roster, and that's um, for 10 guys. So we need we need 14 guys. That's usually about what we carry. So we have four guys that we have to fill a roster for for next year. And we've got the salary cap is something like 121. So we've got, I don't know, we've got $15 million to play with, let's say. Um, and that's before we go over the cap. So in those $15 million, we've got to sign four players. Um, then we've got our first round draft pick that we're going to have. That's two and a half million. So now we're down to give or take, you know, right around 10, 11 million that we're going to have for three guys. So that's not a lot in free agency. We can always sign our own players and go over the salary cap, which is important. But even at that, like how much money is a guy like Beverly going to command? That's the million dollar. That's the maybe $10 million question. Right now he's making, you know, like 14, 16 million. Is he going to get that next year? I kind of hope not. Um, Same as Prince. He's making around 14 million. Is he going to get that? I don't know. So let's say we sign both those guys and stay put. So now our roster's set. Basically, we just added a first round draft pick and what we have. I don't see that as a team that's really pushing. Like we have to keep getting better. Like that's the goal. Like mm-hmm. Beverly is is amazing. What he's doing is amazing. But like, how many more years does he have that? So what what Rosas did is he knows that with these max players, we're not going to be a free agent team. We're not going to have twenty million under. We're not going to be able to sign big free agent guys. So what he always did was he traded for a guy like we said, Be- like Be um, like Beasley. And like uh, Vanderbilt, where we can sign him over the mat, over the cap. That's what I think we're going to do. I think we're going to use a guy like Prince, and I think we're going to maybe attach a first and go for a Mobamba, because a guy like that in the open market is going to cost maybe fifteen million. Right there, he's out of our price range day one of free agency. Anybody that's going to be an impactful player is going to be out of our price range right away. So the only way we're going to be able to play in the free agent market is if we make a trade for a guy now before he hits free agency. And all those teams, they don't want to, like, they know their guy's going to free agency. They're not going to pay him. So, you know, they're looking to, they're looking to make a deal. 
So I think that's what we have to do. I think we have to use one of our contracts and a first round pick, and we need to get some guy that's going to make 15, 18 million dollars on the free agent market. Mm-hmm. And then we can go over the cap. There's no point in us to be right at the cap. Like that's not going to help. So the more money we are over the cap, the more money we have to play with for trades and stuff for next year. So do you, do you think that Mo Bomb was worth a first round pick? Yeah, I do. You do? Okay. I mean, cause our first round picks aren't going to be good. That's another thing people have to realize. Our first round picks aren't going to be Anthony Edwards going forward. Like, Unless we fall apart, they're going to be I'm not predicting. Well, I believe, yeah, like Balmero in the same be, range, you know. Yeah, like Balmero, exactly. They're going to be like Balmero. Like, would you trade Balmero and Prince for Mobamba? I would, you know. Yeah, and it's do. not like we can't re sign Prince, you know, as a mid level exception guy for 10 million next year. Like, just because we trade a guy away like Beverly or Prince doesn't mean we can't bring him right back. Um, I just think. I think for this team to keep moving forward, we can't sit idle just because we like these guys. I mean, we are on a little bit of a hot streak right now, but a lot of it's fool's gold. We're playing against some pretty trash teams right now. So, mm-hmm. like, let's not get excited about some Pistons wins and the mash unit for the for uh, the Nuggets and act like we're world beaters. Like, we're not. Like, we're not – we don't have talent enough right now to win it all. And this is the time to try to make those moves. Mm-hmm. And uh, the what's being rumored a lot right now is the potential of bringing in Marcus Smart. What do you guys think of that? Uh, we'll start with you, Jared. What do you think of a Marcus Smart move? I don't love it. You know, I, I really don't. Um, Marcus Smart is is a big uh, defensive guy, um, but like even when even when like sits the availability and like a guy like Schroeder's and. You know, he kind of what he does. Like he's a five to eight to ten point player with six rebounds and six assists. You know, like if, if that's your backup guy filling in a, a decent usage role, I, I'm not excited about it. Now, granted, he's amazing defensively, but I'm not ready to give up Beasley in a first round pick for a guy like that. I'm I'm just not. You know, and and some people kind of mentioned, you know, the Aaron Neesmith. Uh, I think it was like Aaron Neesmith, smart. Beasley and the first round pick was the the floated around trade and that doesn't do a lot for me like I'm not trying to like I know I know our first round pick like Chris would say is kind of fool's gold because it's going to be later on in the draft but like I mean I don't know a guy like that makes us all that much better granted he's really good defensively but we're already defensively i believe we lead the league in skills um we're right up there in blocks uh, i believe we're in blocks as well like i, I don't know if that's really a miss yeah i mean i don't really know that that's a much of a necessity for us to be honest mm-hmm. chris what do you think of a uh, marcus smart move you more high on it or low on it or what do you think so I've always been against marcus smart as a player i've never really liked him um a lot of it was his offensive deficiency Um, but he's changed a lot of that. His shots got a little better. He's more of an offensive guy now than he's been in the past. But what this is to me is if you like what Pat Beverly has brought to the Timberwolves, I think you'd like what Marcus Smart would bring. And I think there's a point where the Timberwolves are going to have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, we love what Pat Beverly is bringing as attitude, but he's, he's old. 
you know, mm-hmm. and he's already right. missed 15 games of the 30 or whatever. Like he's missing a lot of time. Um, he's old. So are we going to sign him for the next three years after this, like after this year? And if the answer is no, and you like what Beverly is bringing, then you kind of have to make a move to get a guy like smart because he's a very similar guy and he's locked in for a long contract. The problem mm-hmm. I have is that contract's pretty big. That contract's, you know, 16, 17 million a year. So you have to be willing to pay that. So if you think Beverly is worth his 16 he's making this year, I think you would love Marcus Smart on that deal. Um, it's tough. I mean, it's, you know, he's an older guy, but he can be that vet going forward that we need when we let Beverly go because as much as we love Beverly, like father time is undefeated and uh, he's knocking on Beverly's door. Mm-hmm. So to, to go into the contract, he signed a new contract this year. Uh, I believe it's, let's see next year. He's, he's, uh, he's going to make 16 mil, 18 mil, the next 19 mil and then 21 mil. That's a lot of money. I want, for- no, I want nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. Um, the thing about it, though, is again. So, like next year, we're under the cap. So, twenty-one million is uh, one hundred twenty-one million dollars is the cap, but one forty-seven is the max. So, in reality, it could just get eaten up in that cap space between the the cap and the max that we're not going to get to anyways. So, all it really is is a Rod's money, um, and I'm fine with that. So, I don't know. I mean. You know, in a vacuum, would I pay him that much money? No. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if we lose Beverly, you know, that's a huge loss. Like, what are we talking, a Kogi filling in for him? Like, like if Beverly's not on this team, I mean, is Noel filling in for that spot? Like, not in my playbook. Mm Mm-hmm. So so let's talk about this. Uh, there's a lot of rumors going around the NBA, and I, I asked this in the in the kind of the 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 what is it the group the Timberwolves group that we're all in. So I'm wondering who is one guy that other people you've seen other people like rumor the Timberwolves want to go to that you want to stay far away from as a Timberwolves fan or who would be actually I'll go first my guy and I don't think this is very probable to happen but I mentioned this I think Jeremy Grant I don't think. He would be a good fit on this team. I think he would cost too much money. I think that he wants to be a one or two, and that's not going to work on this team. I think he'd be a terrible fit for this team. What do, what do you think, Chris? Who's the guy you'd stay away from? A uh, guy I would stay away from. I mean, it's hard because I don't know who's all out there for trades, but um, right. I would – Pascal Siakam was a guy that I would stay away from because – We've talked about that before. I think that mm-hmm. he's going to cost too much to get. Um, I think his contract's really high, and I think a lot of his value is based on his scoring, which doesn't add much to us because we have scoring taken care of. So I guess I would say more of a anybody who their main skill set is scoring, I have no interest in that. Mm-hmm. Jared, who would your guy be? Or would it be Marcus Smart or someone else, or who would it be? Uh, you know, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm going to kind of contradict myself here in a way. Um, the guy I would stay away from is Sabonis. Um, like you guys were kind of saying, uh, we've spoken about him a, a couple podcasts ago and kind of interest or was kind of intriguing to have Sabonis and Cat play next to each other. 
Um, but this was before Jared Vanderbilt kind of unlocked himself and became what he is today. Um, mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think I think Sabonis would take Beasley, Prince, and probably two or three first picks because as the rest of the NBA sees him, he's a pretty damn good player. But I also think he's a guy that commands he, he commands usage rate. Um, and, and usage rate is a big thing. Um, he He is a guy that you know, it's kind of crazy to say, but he's not on a bad team, but he's on a bad team in a way. Um, but he commands a lot of that usage, kind of like, like Russell Westbrook when he was Wizards or a guy like DeJounte Murray, you know, like a, a guy that commands a high usage on a bad team is always going to put up numbers because that's just how the NBA works. Um, so I think I think that's the guy I would stay away from in a way. Although I think he's talented, I think, you know, I have Wood and Sabonis um, highlighted on the show sheet here, and it says rebuild. Like these are teams that are going to rebuild. Uh, the, the Pacers just traded away Karis Levert for what I thought was was a little bit more than pennies, but less than a dollar. Uh, right. I think we, I think we could see the Pacers really blow up here. Uh, I think Sabonis could be moved. Wood is kind of in the same. You know, Wood kind of commands the same thing as, as Sabonis, in my opinion, because one, he's a super talented player, but he's on a really bad team. I also think you could see Houston blow it up too. So, it, it like Chris would say, it always depends on what the asking price is. Right. Oh, uh, that's and that's the other thing I want to get into. I think almost. Uh, I mean, they still have Wood and Eric Gordon, but I think Houston is almost kind of. Blowing, blowing it up already. I mean, heck, one time this year, they had five rookies on the court at the same time. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like Dave's starting to blow it up. But go ahead, Chris. So the whole free agency thing, um, I'm going to play devil's advocate to, to my point earlier where I said I think the move will be to add a first to to try to grab a guy. Um Here's a move. Here's a style of of franchise building that that needs to be remembered. So, when Golden State made their big push, I mean, not their big push, but when they got um, KD, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. it was because the NBA. The only reason that that could happen is that year the NBA had a huge bump in revenue because of a new TV deal, which bumped the salary cap up like twenty million or something like that, which gave everybody room. And that's how that happened. That same thing is going to be happening in the year 25 to 26. 2025, 2026 season is another big bump. And in that season, um, you know, it seems kind of a ways away, but things we have to remember is LeBron James was 27 years old. Jordan was 27. Shaq was 27. And Kobe without Shaq was 30 when they won their first title. So 27 years old, 30 years old, Curry was 26 when he won his first title. That's kind of the age of like NBA early maturity to be in a title run. Mm -hmm. So in the 25, 26 season, Carl Anthony Towns is going to be 30. D'Lo is going to be 29. Anthony Edwards is going to be 24. That might be the season for us to strike on adding another big chunk, another, $25 $25 million type guy. Like, obviously, I don't know who's going to be out then. The world's open to a lot of things. But right now, if we just kind of 
keep the status quo, build what we have, you know, maybe give Prince or Beverly like a small contract so that when that year comes around, we're going to be hanging out by the salary cap level. And all of a sudden we have 25 under the cap. Maybe Mm -hmm. that'll be the move. Like maybe it's the long play. It kind of just depends on what this franchise wants to do. If we want to take a step into competing in the next couple of years, like next year and the year after, you know, we might make a move for a guy that has immediate upside. Like that's how what I see Bamba having. Like that's a guy that can be something. That's what I liked about Karis Levert. I would have liked mm-hmm. to make a move for him. Um, if not, maybe we'll make a lesser move like Bagley because just take a peek at him for nothing and save our money for making a big play later down the road, a couple of years and just kind of build within with the first round draft pick we have and giving minutes to McDaniels and stuff like that. Right. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's really perspective. I mean, yes, it'll be great if we can keep this going and make the play in and then maybe clinch a playoff spot. But does anybody here believe that the Wolves are going to make a run at the finals this year? That's like, the thing. Well, not even this year. Like how many years right. does Golden State still have? They still have probably one or two, three solid years of like mm-hmm. them still being probably much better than us, you know, at least two years. And now mm-hmm. we're almost at that 25-26 season. So it might be smart to just right. kind of build within, let our players mature as players because they're not ready to make a run right now. I mean, Cat can't stay out of technicals. Like we're, right. we fall apart when there's like any sort of mental stress put on our team right now. So like we've got some some building to do within before we make a run. Plus, I mean, you got to look around the league. Like Memphis is hot right now. Uh, you still got the Sixers. Who knows what they're going to move on James Harden? Uh, you still got uh, the Suns, who are world beaters right now. I mean, there's some really good teams. Utah, they might. I mean, uh, Donovan Mitchell's young. Denver. If Denver, Denver gets healthy, Denver's got the best roster in the NBA. They're just they've got two possible All Stars hurt. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what they're doing without Murray. Like it, it really is when you and, when you look and at Michael it. Porter Jr what what last year was like 17 8 and 4 or something like that like the guys a beast too like yeah yeah they they're good yeah uh jared you had something to add well first of all i'm going to answer your last question um do i get contend the, the short answer is no but i mean if we and hang on to Lilo, we might have a different conversation with you um i just think we'd be that much better yeah. uh, i think we could legit contend for a title this year. Um, but the short answer is no, as the team sits. Um, but we're looking at uh, at key pieces come trade deadline time. Um, and there's a couple other players that I just wanted to bring up shortly. Um, and I think all the, the trade deadline has to do with with um, Beal and Lillard. Like, are guys movable or are they just kind of cont- where they're at? I think that'll be a big difference in how the rest of the league looks at the trade deadline like if those two guys are deemed unavailable you're going to see a lot of secondary moves you're going to see a lot of uh, uh just kind of like meh like i i think those two players in particular have a big deal um with how the entire trade look um those are two players i just wanted to point out um and then there's another deal that that i've heard rumored as early as today um and, and it's a rumor that I talked about probably four or five podcasts ago. Um, there's a possibility that 
the Houston Rockets could trade for Russell Westbrook, let be bought out by the Wizards, a ton of cap space. Um, as, as a rumor that I heard on a different podcast today, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me because I talked about a four. You know, I'm not going to sit here and uh, take victory lap, but I'm going to be while I can. Um, so those are like the, the real interesting moves as far as big pieces. Um, it, it all starts with Beal and Dane. Um, because if Simmons for Harden doesn't happen, Beal and Dane put, then you're going to Simmons moved for a lot lesser of a deal. Um, and this is something that we've kind of talked about um, as Wolves fans, as being the only people left at the table. Like, exactly. do we have the best trade package for a guy like Simmons? Probably not. But if we're the only people we have left, left, like the war, yeah, we have one wet up and we're not going to mortgage the farm for it. But if he's there, we're going to bite, you know, like if we're the last people left at the table, it's probably a move that we try and make. Uh, if we can keep our three stars and add Simmons, I think Goop, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Guputa, Gupata. He's gonna try. He's gonna try and get in that ear to make that happen. Gupta. Uh, so I think that's that's like a real. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Google Translate me on that one. It's um, Gupta. But yeah, so Josh like that's Gupta. that's that's what that's what I'm looking uh, as far as the trade deadline because like there could be a real possibility. Well, the the problem is is the Sixers have to move Simmons. Like the Sixers are, I believe, what the two know. or three seed in the East. I think they have to move them, don't they? Like they can't just sit at the two seed with this mega All Star and won all these defensive awards and just say, "Hey, we don't like this guy, so we're not going to play him." I'm like that thing, right? He, okay, so there, there's two ways to look at it. Here's the big thing. So with the with the uh, with the Seventy Sixers, your main star is Joel Embiid. His knees are terrible. He yep. is in and out of the lineup. Like he's been better this year, but historically he's been in and out of the lineup. You're taking another another year out of Joel Embiid's prime, where you're just sitting on Ben Simmons. So to that point, they may have to move him, but I don't know if they will. If they can't get a guy like James Harden or a Dame Willard, which they're not going to get, they've been very clear in. Uh, Portland that Lillard wants to stay in Portland so I I don't know I feel like they might just hang on to him which I think is a mistake for them but yeah I don't know I feel like I yeah go ahead I know I don't think I know Lillard, they still, I know they still gotta pay him yeah right. well I don't know they're finding him enough where I don't I think he's actually losing money but um I don't think Lillard wants to stay in Portland. I, I don't. I think that's a game. I think that's. I think I, I put enough. I put the same amount of credibility as Lillard wanting to stay in Portland as Jimmy Butler being a hard nosed dog every day that shows up early and works hard. I think that's all just marketing ploy by each one of those those guys to have their. You know, that's their thing. Mister Loyal is Damon Lillard. Damon Lillard has been cashing in on fat contracts because he's staying in the same team. Like, I don't mm-hmm. buy this loyalty. Like, he had a good team. Like, he wasn't going to force his way out. It's not like they've been a bottom dweller. Right. But now that they are, he'll he's going to be traded, and he's going to accept a trade, and he'll find some way to make it known that, you know, he wanted to stay, but he couldn't or something. Like, 
mm -hmm. keep his brand of being loyal alive. I, I don't buy that. Um, and and when it comes to Simmons, like the the, the whole thing that doesn't that's tricky about Simmons is you're dealing with Maury, and Maury has a bigger ego than probably anybody in the NBA, and he doesn't want to lose this trade. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we'll see what happens, but he's going to have to move, even if it's for some star bench type players, like, and some draft picks, like you said, they're, they can't throw this season away, you know? So if you can even get in solid role players that are going to be able to come in and help you down the stretch to win a championship and some future first, you can always package those first for a player you want, you know, at the next, you know, in the off season, like, I don't understand what they're doing with Ben Simmons, um, but I think it's a big mistake, and I think Maury's going to lose his job over it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And and one thing I want to say that I've always hated since, since its conception was the 76ers process. I've hated that since day one. Their whole <laughs> tanking, oh, and everything's going to work out. Oh, it didn't work out with Markel Fultz. Oh, it's not working out with Ben Simmons. Okay, it worked out with Joel Embiid. You drafted one good player, okay? You drafted two. Joel Embiid. Two good players. Two good players. And that, hey, that's all. Hey, I, got th I got three words for you. What's Trust that? the process. That was process, baby. That was the same. Well, let me, let me, let me shoot one thing for you. Let's see. <laughs> not that. So that was a that was a, a hinky process. That was his plan. He was the GM <laughs> up until the and he passed it through the coach, right? Pass it by the coach, pass it by the owner. This is what we're going to do, and they all signed off on it. He signed. He ended up having Embiid and Ben Simmons. So that's what he had, and then he had the number three pick, and he was fired. So he was fired because his team did bad, which is BS because he told them what was happening in the process and they signed off. But then public public cry got bad, so they fired him. They bring in a new GM. Hinky never traded in the draft. He stayed where he was and got the best guy there. What did the new guy do? He traded the farm to move up to number one. Who was drafted at the spot where he would have been? Jason Tatum. So let's say that they would have stayed put and their lineup would have been Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum. Then do you think the process might have been looking a little better? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I don't know. There's a lot of teams that are like, if it wasn't for the process, they'd be the Knicks. They'd be a team that had nobody that's good and a lot of bad salary contracts on guys that are just pushing mm -hmm. for an eighth seed. Well, maybe, may, maybe that's why I hate it. I just hate Philly. So that that might well, be that part. Could be. Oh, that only could good be. thing to come over, come out of Philadelphia was it's always sunny in Philadelphia. But that's just me. Uh, and Kobe Bryant too. Cheese steaks. Right? Yeah, cheese steaks too. That's true. Um, but anyway, moving forward, uh, Jared, you you had something about talking about the Wolves bench a little bit. Maybe this will go into more trade deadline stuff. But go ahead. Yeah, so, like, I just kind of want to, like, kind of look at what we have currently. Like, if we don't move, it doesn't work out, and we're stuck with the team that we have. Um, stuck, but, like, we're playing extremely good. And, and I've been really impressed with our bench play uh, as of late. Um, I know that there's three players that we kind of all of as bench players or, or not uh, in certain nights, but 
Prince has played, uh, Tayshawn Prince has played, I always call him Tayshawn, Torian Prince has played incredibly lately. Um, he's been unbelievable uh, the, these past three weeks. And this is a guy that we all hated. So this this might be kind of like a coming out party, but I just want to give a victory lap uh, or a victory round of applause for what Prince has been doing the past few weeks because this dude has, has been playing, you know, anywhere from 24 to 30 minutes. Uh, granted, hurt recently all uh, this last game and played like three minutes, which kind of really sucks because he's been a real key piece to our winning streak. Uh, he hasn't been playing a lot. He's been shooting really well, uh, being hyper-efficient. So I hope that his, I believe it was an ankle injury. I hope that he's okay when he comes back. Um, but yeah, man, that dude, Torion, Torion Prince has been unbelievable lately. And Mike Beasley, man, I mean, um, yeah. just Mike unbelievable. Beasley? Malik Beasley. He's, you know, not, not Michael, yeah. but... But Malik, uh, he's he, he, his friend, his friend, he's, he's a, a dude that I. You call him Mike. Yeah, yeah, we we shorten that down. Um, but but Malik Beasley has been told, you know, which is is what I love to see on the Timberwolves bench. If we can get one of these three players, I'm gonna list one more going forward. Um, if he can. If any one of these players can get us points, we will beat every single team in the entire NBA, and we will win the championship. Now, call me crazy. Call me what you, when we play hyper efficiently. We are almost unbeatable, and our has been unbelievable lately. Um, mm-hmm. Quote unquote, Malik last game came out twenty one points, nine rebounds. That's insane for a bench guard. Like. Uh, it's just hyper efficient off the bench. Daniels, um, this dude, I don't remember what game it was, but it was a game we, I, it might have been the Utah game. Don't, don't quote me on that. But, um, dude, we had like 20 points off the bench. Unbelievable. Like, if we get any kind of performance like that, I mean, I, I'm one of the biggest homers ever, but like, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of like put my foot in the sand and say when we're wrong, but like if one of these bench players scores 20, we ain't going to lose to a lot of games. Uh, the last four uh, prior to our, our last five games, I should say, four straight games over 120 po- 20 points offensively. The game we scored 118, boat race the Pistons. Like what? what this team mm-hmm. is unbelievable right now. Yeah, yeah, the bench has been good. I thought it was one of the funniest things I've seen all year was that last Pistons game where Jared and uh, Malik – no, 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 no. Yeah, Malik Beasley got like what he thought was his 10th rebound, and then he like yelled at the top of his lungs. So it was like an easy rebound too. It was, was his 10th, and then they took one away. Right. I just thought that – I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> one of that double-double, man. Like that. That's that's what I'm gonna start doing in my pickup games, like getting easy rebounds and then just going ah or something oh. or like flexing or something like that. So one crazy thing about a bench to go back to that is, um, I agree they've been hot. They've been hot, and um, it's one of those things like 
Okay, Torian Prince over his last, I think, 11 games is shooting like 60% from three on a decent amount of, of shots. And it's like, okay, he's a career 36% shooter. Um, let's not fall in love with this right now. Like, I don't believe that he's going to turn into the best three-point shooter of all time. Like, ups and downs, that's what this season's all about. Um, Jaden McDaniels. In the last nine games, he's shooting 46.5% from three. Before that, he was shooting 26% from three. So, I mean, if these guys, if this can be a real progression, I mean, obviously not as well as they've been doing, but keep that, you know, moving up a little bit, it'll be great, man. That's what we've been saying for a couple of weeks is we need these other guys to do something. Like we were talking about Noel when he had his little hot streak, which – as predicted, it's cooled off, but we need somebody to give us a punch off the bench. If it's Beverly, if it's Prince, if it's Noel, if it's McDaniels, if it's even J-Mac, you know, point guard a little bit, like that's good too. Like we need something, um, which is why before I was saying we need to trade for somebody who can give us those consistent numbers off the bench, but maybe we have them right here. We just Mm. have to, keep it consistent right for sure uh yeah and like like you said not every team needs like a jordan clarkson who's gonna do it every single night like you you can it can be pick or choose also i i was looking at the stats from the pistons game uh it wasn't like jay no not jay mac um it wasn't like uh jaylen noel was playing playing bad but he only got seven minutes that game just because Beasley and Jaden and J-Mac were playing so well. So it's not like these guys are getting benched or anything. It's just, I, I think that's what, um, what, what coach Finch is doing. He's going with an 11 man, uh, 11 man roster in the first half and then just going with who's hot. Right. It's hard to play. You're, we're never going to be able to play um, McLaughlin and Noel. I mean, those guys take up X amount of minutes. We've mm-hmm. got 16 minutes to share between those two, two between those guys. They, they play the same position as like a third point guard kind of backup point guard because Beverly kind of starts. So like mm-hmm. they, they can't, there's only so many minutes in the game, you know, and neither one of those guys gives us what Beverly does or what Beasley get, get, does is just a pure shooter to stretch the field or stretch the court. So those guys are going to just compete with each other. So lately it's been McLaughlin, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Jared, go ahead. You know, I, I think that's one of the most important things you've you've said recently, Gabe. Um, I'm a big guy with rotations, and I like to keep a tight rotation. But what you're mm-hmm. saying is 100% accurate. Like we're digging to our bench and finding the hot hand. So right. I have always been eight, eight, nine max. Like, I don't like playing more than nine ball, which doesn't really even count in my opinion. But you're, you're looking for eight to nine to play your rotation, but we're identifying who's got the hot hand in the first half. Like, open shot, three shots. Who's making them? Who's not? Okay, Noel, you're 0 for 3. You're going to play seven minutes. Beasley, okay, you're 4 for 5. Yeah, you're going to play those second half minutes. And I think that is one of the most important things that has really never been up on this podcast is teams necessarily don't want to run. Like, if you're a good team, 
you have your rotations under control. And I think that's so important to play those guys in the first half, whether it be minutes or six minutes for each. But then knowing who's got it, who doesn't, those guys in the game or at the end of the bench. So I think that's a really good point, Gabe. Thank you. Uh, Chris, go ahead. So one thing we've been doing differently is we've been we've been like hockey hockey subbing, five in, five out. Yeah. And we've been doing the D-low kind of hang out with the bench unit guys, but it hasn't been too productive. It just doesn't work. So this bench unit is becoming a real unit, a five-man unit. Well, six-man unit depending, but mainly a five-man unit. And they're winning on ball movement. They're winning on hustle. And they're winning on playing together. And that's what's really made it great. Um, Mm -hmm. Having those guys all kind of compete and compete for minutes against each other and compete for shots against each other has been good. And then it gives us all of our starters time to rest. And I think in our last little stretch of games that we've been winning, um, I think I saw like our bench unit is out. Like when they're on the court, they're like a plus 40 and our starters are like a minus eight. So like, they're the ones that have been winning us these games. Of course, they're playing against bench units, but um, that's mm-hmm. what we need. Like, I love that Finch can change his plan. Like, he had a very specific plan on rotations to keep one of those stars in at all times. Like, that was his goal. And he's now completely thrown that aside based on how these guys have played. And the only reason we've seen it is because guys have been hurt. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes injuries and sometimes COVID have brought – things to the forefront that will push forward to make this team better long-term. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think we're going to put an exclamation point on the episode. I do want to mention, I'm not sure what we're going to do yet, but we would like to do something on Thursday for the trade deadline. Uh, that'll that'll be in the works. We're not sure what we're going to do, but keep tuned and we'll be sure to let you know. Uh, upcoming schedule this week. Uh I mean, should be favorable, although I was looking on Twitter right before this. Uh, D'Lo is questionable for tomorrow. So just throwing that out there. Uh, oh, I don't know if this is going to be an, I don't know if this gonna be a nagging injury or something that nags him for the rest of the year. Who knows? Hopefully not. But that shin contusions, what, what can you say? So upcoming schedule for the Wolves, uh, basically two games against the Kings and then the trade deadline, then the Bulls, and then the Pacers, and then the Hornets. But we'll probably talk to you before then chris thanks so much for being here this week no problem man any week absolutely jared thanks so much for being here as well absolutely nothing better than a tuesday night talking hoops uh looking forward i see a lot of wins even though uh the schedule gets a little bit tougher should beat the kings mm-hmm. twice we should beat the pacers who are gonna ma- we don't know what the pacers are going to yeah, throw out there gonna uh, by time no the games the like. yeah we have no idea it what that team's going to look like um yeah so yeah uh like uh the past two podcasts I'm looking for three out of four or four out of five or two out of three whatever the the week ahead lies we're getting the job done and i don't know if you guys looked at those stands lately but uh this is all i see wolves down here climbing up, up baby let's go like the Jeffersons. They could. They absolutely could. Well, this <laughs> is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube and hit the bell so you never miss an episode. And make sure to follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And as always, go Wolves. <laughs>